Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I am your host, Laura Mignel, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring on a different person in business who's doing some game-changing work, and this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Nikita Renfigben, who is a balance and relationship advisor. We're going to have a fantastic conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Nikita. Hi, honey. How are you? <laughs> oh, you know, just causing trouble as always. <laughs> good trouble, good trouble. Yes, I, I live for this. This is where this is where I roll. Um, I'm happy to be there. Um, so the way the podcast works is the first question is always the same, uh, and I'm super interested to see what your answer is going to be. So, Nikita, what was your first job? Mm. So I'm taking you back a little bit because I was 12 and I had three jobs simultaneously. I feel like I got hired for all of them in the same day. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I whatever was a, works. <laughs> I was an early hustler. So um, I babysat, of course, that's kind of normal in a lot of our communities, watching our, our baby cousins and all those things. I had four of them that I had to babysit daily after school and after track practice. I was also cleaning up hair in a local salon a few blocks around the corner from me. And I was working in a pizza shop down the street who also would allow me to clean up and sometimes I got to work with the money at the cash register, although I had to stand on a stool in order to reach it. Where was this? Where, what happened to child labor laws? <laughs> I, I'm really cute. So I think they were just like, listen, mm-hmm. we understand you want some money. So let me give you something that's ethical and that won't necessarily, uh, you know, put up a banner of child labor issues <laughs> on the front door. <laughs> Um, that seems illegal, but okay. Because um, <laughs> it was 12, all under the table. <laughs> clearly and illegal. Um, but obviously indicated a great degree of hustle, which I think comes in handy. Uh, so no shade to that. So, okay, we go from um, being a multi-hyphenate at 12 to now. What's that career journey been like? Ooh, so um, I am still all these things, although I don't serve in a traditional way. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a trauma specialist, a relationship psychotherapist, a human behavior expert, a sexologist, all of those hats I wore before I started my business 10 years ago. I now own a global personal development company serving power couples and fast scaling married women entrepreneurs that are simply just trying to live full, rich, whole, successful lives. They really want to prioritize their intimacy, their fun, the laughter, the joy in their lives, not just all the business goodness and juiciness that comes from their hard work. Uh, So all of those things came over with me. But then we started, you know, uh, what would you call it? We got introduced to, I was going to say seduced by, but I changed my language a little bit there. We got introduced by the coaching world. So I started to infuse those modern coaching modalities into all of my clinical tools that I already had. And I created something called the Joy Map Method that's specifically for those women and men who really want more and they truly believe that they can have it all. Oh, there's so much there. I don't even know where to start. My <laughs> God. I mean, really? The layers. <laughs> the, the layers, the layers, and the layers. Okay. So first question. Um, so 
and it's interesting that you focus on married women. Why did you pick married women to sort of focus on helping them find their fullest lives? Yeah. So a ri- like in the very, very beginning, we opened, my husband and I both opened the company uh, in 2011. When we opened it, it was really a staffing agency with a professional development arm. That was our first failed entrance into entrepreneurship. Um, I kind of thought that I couldn't make money. I had some mindset issues. I didn't think I could make the kind of money that our lifestyle uh, wanted to have, the things that we wanted to do for our children and being young parents. We've been together since, friends since 13, together since 17. So you can imagine some of the struggles that we went through. And I had this grandiose vision of what I wanted to do. And I did not believe I could do it as a clinician. I thought I had to help people in a different way. And my mission has always been to build stronger families. I really honestly didn't care what the context of that was. I just wanted them to have the type of families that I did not come from because it was very drenched in dysfunction and abuse and all kinds of different things. So when we started and we failed really rapidly (laughs) at the staffing agency with the kind of pseudo professional development arm, and I had literally people were telling me within the first month, like, you're a coach, you should be doing more coaching and consulting. And we had opened this brick and mortar and poured all this, all of our hard owned money, completely bootstrapped, no loans into this company. I was like, get the hell out of here. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I just opened this business. Like, we're going to make this work. And it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) We tried. We really, really yeah, yeah, like we were really, really trying because I honestly thought from a staffing agency perspective that, you know, finances is one of the main reasons that couples don't stay together. Right. Um, you know, and have the integrity of those holistic families where they can travel and they can enjoy life and they can create memories because they're not focused on just keeping the lights on and just keeping the water running. So the toilets can flush, which was a lot of what I had to do with growing up. So I thought if I could put money in their pockets and, you know, give them the professional development that they need to sustain and create careers in their lives, that that would be my contribution. And I honestly had a mindset issue that that would be a bigger contribution than what I could do if I worked more intimately with them in a lot of their trauma stories and a lot of their issues that were creating all kinds of problems from the bedroom to the boardman of their life. I focused on the wrong thing because I wasn't really dealing with some limited beliefs, quite honestly. Um, So in the midst of of all of that and all of that transition that was happening, what I realized is those women who were in monogamous relationships more than anything, like we say married because it calls our people in, you know, your whole avatar client, right? Like it calls you in because they identify. But I just really focus on monogamous women entrepreneurs and their partners. Um, The primary reason for that is really because that's my expertise. I don't have expertise even professionally with people who are in non-monogamous relationships and there's no judgment there. I have power partners that I refer them to. Uh, Dr. Jolie Hamilton is one of my favorite people, Sacred Walker, one of my favorite other people who's based right outside of New York where you are actually. Oh, I know Sacred, yeah. We love Sacred, we love, love. Sacred is a soul sister. I met her a few years ago through, randomly, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. yeah, but she was so lovely. Um, but yeah, wow, the yeah. world is small. So small, right? <laughs> we we super love Sacred. She is definitely one of our sisters here. Um, and so, you know, I'll refer to people who are better suited and have professional expertise and maybe even some personal relatability to people who are in monogamous, non-monogamous relationships, but that is not honestly my expertise. So I realized earlier on after that horrible, like, 
horrific failed experiment into my initiation into entrepreneurship, which exposed all my flaws and all my limiting beliefs and all the challenges that if I was going to do something, I needed to do it with in a way that was true to my core, right? Like that was authentic to me. And it's not authentic to me to work with people who are focused on non-monogamous um, or, you know, polygamy and all kinds of other things that again, no judgment, that's just not my, my lane. So I really doubled down and said, who do I call forth? Who do I call really easily? Women come to me more often than not, more so than their male counterparts, if they happen to be in heterosexual relationships. The men love me because we go all the way into <laughs> the, the, the deep end of emotional, physical, recreational intimacy, all the things. And I kind of give away the secrets. So sometimes the wives are, or the spouses are a little bit angry with me. Like you're not supposed to tell him that I, <laughs> I, I really didn't have a headache. And that's really just an excuse for me not feeling emotionally connected. Um, but we really do have a lot of good fun when we have those conversations and get deeper into the strategy sessions. Wow. And so what is, you know, as someone who's not married, mm-hmm. um, and one day hopes to be, we'll see. <laughs> Listen, he's, out he's out there. I would I'm totally called the that. love doctor for a reason. Don't get me started. Oh. <laughs> okay, you're not analyzing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I already know what my deal is. <laughs> I, 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 I'm told. I, I have come to realization about. I know what I want, and I know what I don't want, and I know what I won't settle for. Um, I want someone who loves my quirks and my curves. So there you go. Oh, I am all for that. I'm a thousand percent in, I'm standing for non-negotiables. So I hear you. Non-negotiable. But, you know, I think it's interesting because um, obviously this past year has been obviously stressful on obviously working parents, especially. What's some good advice that you'd have for folks who are trying to like, you know, not lose their minds. And as Mm -hmm. we now begin to sort of come out of this, you know, it's how do you sort of tell the, how do you get yourself to be in the best possible fitness um, to make sure that your marriage lasts? Yeah. So I literally teach people to be selfish. Um, and I know it sounds provocative. Fantastic. Yeah. And controversial for some, because we hear the, the memes, we, we read them everywhere. The gifts, the memes, self-care is not selfish. Yeah, it is. When you it should shop, be. It, and it should be. Absolutely. <laughs> and you have to, right? Like to fill your, to literally fill yourself up, to fuel yourself, in fact, even more than filling your cup, it's fueling yourself with everything that you need so that you can give selflessly. You can't do that if you're really running on empty all the time because you're constantly breastfeeding the world. It's impossible. You got to wow. stop. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, right, you know, real talk, like you got to stop doing it for a moment, permission to pause, catch your breath, slow down, fill up, take care of you, have an orgasm, self-pleasure with someone else, whatever you need to do to feel completely fueled. And then you can go ahead and return to nourishing all those people who are connected to you. Hopefully you've also, in the time that you slow down and giving yourself that selfish time, you've forgiven yourself for mistakes you've made. You've seen the toxic patterns and people that might be attaching to you and draining you, taking more milk from you in this kind of proverbial example of breastfeeding the world than they should be. You know, those energy vampires and zappers that are constantly coming into our lives and like finding, wiggling their way in when 
there's a gap because they see our niceness as naivety. All those things are really hard to catch if you are so busy being booked and full and, and running on you know, all 10 cylinders so fast that you don't even catch where people and, and patterns, so not just people, but patterns, including your own, are stripping you from the very things that you need to do the you know, impactful transformational things in the world that you choose to do. Well, there's a word. <laughs> so, uh, so I think it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of this recently where folks are like, yes, be selfish. And I, I, I am team captain of be, be selfish. Amen. Um, because for so many years, I was not. And it, uh, it affected my life. It affected my business. Exactly. It affected my personal relationships. And now I'm like, yep, nope, not doing it. Like, this is how it has to be. And if y'all don't like it, I don't care. Mm -hmm. um but that takes you know a lot of work yeah. a lot of internal work um you know what are you know if folks are like okay I want to start on this journey to like being selfish what um what's sort of like the kind of top two or three things you recommend for them to do other than call you because of course we're gonna put your information in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> right oh um, no thank you for that small plug I appreciate that Laura um <laughs> I honestly honestly I tell people to to back up and look at what they think they want because I know it's really hard sometimes when you're stuck in a, a brain fog of confusion and chaos and maybe you're just overwhelmed because your life has been hit by so many external storms that you just couldn't control like whatever those storms were you know, divorces, being widowed, losing a child, grieving a loss of a job, hell, grieving, you know, the loss of freedom because of the pandemic, like whatever it was, those storms constantly hitting you and causing some things, sometimes that does make it really hard to see what you want. So although my clinical side and my breakthrough success coaching side wants to say, admit what you want, Sometimes you got to back up from that if you really don't have the clarity to get there and look at what's not filling you in this moment. So that's one of the ways like reverse reverse psychology is kind of back up and say, you know what, I'm too clouded and, and crowded in my head right now mentally. What, what's not serving me right now? Well, you know what, every night I sit on the couch and I binge watch Marvel TV series or whatever, and I'm really not even looking at it. The TV's kind of looking at me. Well, that's something that's not serving you. So then we can look at, okay, that's something that's draining you because it's draining energy, it's draining your creativity, it's, it's draining the possibilities from you if it's not serving you. There's nothing wrong with having a binge session. So everyone listen, hear me very clearly. It's okay to dim down the volume of your thoughts and watch TV or let TV watch you for half an hour, hour, whatever the case is, occasionally, but that should be the exception, not the rule. So if you do know what you want, then you can get some perspective and say, you know what? I really wanna be this you know, magnificent secret philanthropist. You know, that's my goal. In order to be this magnificent secret philanthropist that I'm totally making up for this example right now, then that means you have to have a certain amount of, of wealth. You have to have a certain amount of influence. Well, it's really hard to get there if you don't have boundaries. So that's one of the first things you have to do after getting some clarity on where it is that you want to go, you know, in the next six months, nine months, 12 months, or even three years from now, when you have a little clarity around that, now we need to create some boundaries so you can get there. So part of the boundaries look like, well, wait a minute, I've just invite, been invited to four different Zoom uh, events that are two hours each, none of which I'm interested in because I'm Zoomed out, I'm fatigued from all this stuff. Well, how about I say no? 
no, I'm not available. Oh, I would love to come to your book release party, your birthday bash on Zoom, your game night on Zoom, family, friend, and professional partners, whoever it is that's requesting you, you may really want to participate from a space of like honoring the invitation, but you know you don't have any energy for it. So you have to create some boundaries around that and say, you know what, what I need to be doing is taking that two hours times four, you know, whatever that is, eight hours of time instead of saying yes to all these Zoom requests for these video entertainment moments to make other people feel happy. And maybe I can take some time and journal or read or go have sex or go take a long magnesium essential oil filled bath with a glass of wine. You know, whatever it is that you need to do for you, maybe you need to sit in a pretzel leg position and just pray over yourself and cleanse yourself from all of the negative thoughts that you've been allowing to happen and damage your energetic space. Regardless of what you do with that time, the boundaries have to be set so that you can expand. So I look at boundaries as very expansive, Laura. Like they can't be all about the no's. They have to make room for the yes that you want, but you can't get there if you're doing all of the opposite of what you really want just to people please other people or to compensate for guilt or to prove to someone else that you can handle 55 plates. Sure you can. Do you want to? And that's usually the question (laughs) that I ask everyone. You could do a lot of things, but do you really want to? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the uh, kind of big difference that I have noticed even in myself this in the past year like I normally throw a huge birthday party um and interestingly enough I threw the last birthday party last year before COVID hit because it was in February uh and uh so when my birthday came around this February my friends were like Laura are you gonna do this big zoom party and I was like uh no mm-hmm. and they're like why not I'm like because honestly I'm tired right. <laughs> like and I don't want to do it I have been on 50 11 zooms mm. <laughs> like, I also do this stuff for a living where I produce these events so do you think I really want to sit on a screen for my birthday no I right. think when it gets warm and we can all go outside I will throw an insane party but till then no um and for me it I felt so good in doing that. Like I went out for one drink with a friend, like who's in my, my, my bubble. And like, and I was happy to do that. And I think, you know, that's the thing where you have to sort of like who people think you are versus who you, you actually need to be are, are the two things that are so important, especially at this time. Yes, a thousand percent. Breaking expectations is one of my favorite things to do, starting with my own, right? You know, like going back to even the question you asked me about, you know, how did you get where you are? And I I explained a little bit about the failed initiation into entrepreneurship. I had this limiting belief around myself and I had to break that expectation, that expectation that I couldn't be amazing and impactful and make money really standing in my gifts as a psychotherapist who had a lot more to her than just the fact that she was rooted in expertise as a trauma expert, right? Like I had to break those expectations of myself and know that there was something more for me. And I had to be willing to accept that before I was able to to go get it. I also had to break the expectation that just because, you know, my, my mother was a drug addict and my father was a drug addict and all the layers that came with them, that because I would have a glass of wine that I would automatically become an alcoholic. And I was honestly 
afraid like to death of that possibility. I didn't have my first glass of wine until I was 30 because I figured if I could just make it to 30 years old without any incident, then it should be okay. And even then the first couple of years, I was really, really afraid to drink more than a half a glass of wine on like my anniversary and New Year's for years before I started to believe like, wait a minute, this is something you can enjoy responsibly as an adult in good company and not have fear that you would become something that you were told since you were young, you're going to be just like your mother, right? Like, you you know, all those horrible things that family members tell the kids when they're trying to be mean and bullying and things. And I had held on to that. So breaking your own expectations, pluses and minuses that no longer serve you is really important. And it's a huge part of creating those expansive boundaries. It's just so drastically important and understanding that like, just because it happened with your parents doesn't mean you will absolutely become the same thing. Right. Um, and letting all that go is just so important. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about all that, you know, what do you think you'd tell 25 year old Nikita? Ooh, well, 25 year old Nikita had abs and <laughs> she had a body that did not stop and she did not know it. <laughs> Oh, she didn't know it. Oh, she didn't know it. She was. Oh, damn, damn. She was so. I know, right? Like the things which I'm always telling my daughter, like you better show that waist. Go ahead, girl. Why you got it? (laughs) Um, um, I think you know, 25 year old Nikita was finished with her master's degree, working on her doctorate, um, pregnant with her daughter, and uh, they were twins. My uh, my daughter's sister passed away in utero. Um, but I was really in a, a headspace of what's what's next for me? What what are the possibilities? I was jumping so far ahead. Like I was really thinking about how it would be when I was 40, when I was 25. I really truly wasn't living in the moment. I was so afraid of my future. So the possibilities for me were what are all the things that could go wrong if I don't do everything right in this moment? I was a perfectionist, um, super ridiculous incredibly analytic, which I am still now, but now I'm more creative and analytical. And I wasn't then, I wasn't allowing that. I didn't believe that I could really have the life that I deserved because I wasn't sure I was worthy of it. So the 25-year-old Nikita looking back, I would tell her to relax, to stay sane, and to continue to love on herself because that was definitely not something that I was doing at that time. I was loving on everyone else. I was breastfeeding the world like literally and figuratively, but I definitely wasn't loving on myself. Awesome and so important. It's yeah, I just see so many young folks who are like, oh, I have to do all this stuff by the time I'm 30. I'm like, uh, no, you don't. Like, mm-hmm. enjoy this time. Like, yeah. chill. Don't like. I mean, like the weight of the world does not need to be on your shoulders at 22 years old. Like everyone's exactly. Yeah. And I Uh, I definitely was one of those ones that you would have had to like force feed the chill pill into because I was trying to prove to all of the naysayers and my family, you know, my blood family was definitely more detrimental to me than strangers. Um, And I was trying to prove to them that I could be the opposite of what they thought um, because of my lineage, you know, because of my parents' mistakes, a lot of that fell on my shoulders, you know, the sins of the parents fall on the weight of the children, and it did. And I, I bear that burden for a really long time, and I felt uber responsible 
to make everyone understand that I wouldn't be that person. And simultaneously, I felt guilty. I had survivor's guilt for being one of the first to do all the things, the first to be married, the, the first to have children, the first to graduate college and grad school and go for my doctorate and all the things. I had a lot of survivor's guilt too. So there was this weird tortured experience that I was living at 25 years old um, that I definitely would have done very differently if I had the wisdom that I have now. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, yeah, you just have to realize it like, yeah, it's y'all gonna be okay. Like, yeah. Um, if, if you did something once you can do it again, like Absolutely. you can pick yourself back up and not, and not get stuck, even, even though it's, it might be challenging. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's interesting that like, you know, we often talk about like how, you know, women are so ridiculously hard on themselves, but let's talk about the dudes. Mm. Um, because I think that oftentimes is the other side of the equation that doesn't get talked about enough. So what's your advice to to men right now, especially those who are in relationships or even those who are single and try to figure out what to do next? Yeah, a lot of the men, honestly, for, you know, especially when I think about the power couples that are heterosexual power couples, and we work with the men there because we separate them to have individual sessions as well as their, their to do their couple work together. And I have to admit that the pattern surprised me a lot of the men are very giving, but they give with resentment. Uh, so when they get, and for the couples that we work specifically, work with specifically, um, they are givers. They they want their wives and their children if they happen to have children, because not all of them do. Um, whoever it is that they feel responsible for, that if they're the oldest child and they have siblings, all of those things, they're extremely giving, but they do it from this space of resentment because they've never honestly looked at what they really want. They've been living to other people's expectations. So a lot of the, the spouses, the male spouses, that we work with, they typically are like, well, you know, my parents told me I had to be a doctor. So that's why I went to medical school. They told me I had to be a a chemist. So that's why I went to, you know, to get my chemistry degree or a law degree. Like I had to have a certain type of career and they're not even interested in it. They would have rather have done sports or, or design shoes or do so many other things. And they have this kind of inner tortured experience because of it. So what they do to compensate for it is they give, like they show up, but they're not showing up fully. So if the wife or the sister or the daughter or whoever says, oh, you know, dad, I really need you to to come to this recital with me or to drive me here, they'll do it, but they're not talking to them in the car. They're not engaging in an intimate conversation because they don't really want to do the thing, but they're doing it because they feel like they have to. And because of that, they're hardened and they're not necessarily reachable emotionally until we get to some of those inner child healing issues and stories that they have. And a lot of people think that inner child healing is only about the women. It is not at all just about the women. There are a lot of broken and very bent men that are walking around that need a lot of love, healing and support, but there's so much calcified chaos that you have to get through in order to see that they are human inside as well, because being hard has been a survival skill for so many of them. Yeah. And so, and now you're like, oh, and then we get to this point, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, because um, that's a, it's who you're supposed to be versus who you really are, and yeah. kind of get and getting through that is, is necessary on so many levels. Yeah, they just honestly, Laura, they want to be heard. 
They want to be seen. They want to be appreciated. You know, they won't admit it out loud, but they want to be validated. Right. They, you know, a lot of people say, well, stop seeking validation. Everyone needs validation. You don't need it to be, you know, spoiled on you every single day, you know, and overflowing, but everyone needs a little validation. It looks like recognition at work. That's validation, right? And validation is a form of love. It's a form of attention and acknowledgement. And men especially need a little more validation that I would say most ambitious women, because they're not used to being validated. They're expected to do a certain thing, the same way we're expected, right? Like we're expected Mm -hmm. that if you're of reproductive age, you're expected to have a baby or what's wrong with you or maybe I don't freaking want a kid right like not everybody likes kids but you're expected <laughs> you know you're expected to do it men have very similar expectations on them too but they're not able to necessarily complain and and voice it where women have community we've created community within ourselves most of us there are some women that are like I don't like women I don't want to do community but many of us <laughs> right like many of us recognize that we at least need two you know one or two other people outside of us that are also highly estrogen filled that we can have those relatable conversations with where a lot of men just hold it in they won't they won't talk to their brother their supposed best friend their sons, their dads, they just hold it in. So they're not necessarily being validated because they won't even admit that they need it. And that's the problem. It's like, you have to admit that yeah. you need it. Absolutely. Love of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, We're not mind readers. You just can't. Because um, otherwise, um, it'll just be a hot, hot mess. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time. Um, so, you know, in thinking about all of this, obviously you get to absorb a lot being a psychotherapist and dealing with all the couples and then as they're trying to navigate this universe. What do you do for your self-care? Oh, I'm a super big self-care. Well, you know, I'm certified selfish. So first, let me say that. Um, I'm like, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> literally certified in it. Um, and self-care for me is one small part of how I give myself permission to pause. Really, for me, it's loving on me. Um, my body, I've had multiple pregnancies, some biological children from that, some miscarriages and such. Um, so my body is very different than it used to be. And I had to deal with some of the body image challenges that came with that, especially because it took me so long to acknowledge how amazing my body was and now is. Now that I get to claim that with, you know, the grown woman weights and the cellulite and all the things that have come <laughs> with time. So for me, you know, self-care involves me staring at myself fully naked, fully vulnerable in the mirror and looking at all the pieces of me loving on me, literally saying, I love my knees, no matter how knock-kneed I might look, right? I love my baby toe, no matter how frustrated I am that my feet have grown a half a size with each child that I've pushed out of my body, right? You know, just like really kind of going over me and and embracing all of the changes and dynamics that happen when you're over 40 and just loving on that, you know, from a self-care, from a doing perspective, um, I do love those magnesium filled essential oil baths with my glass of peppermint water in a wine glass. Um, It's very refreshing and exciting for me. I love reading, um, preferably paper books, but I will take it as a Kindle or Audible, you know, based on what's available 
to me at the, at the time and where I happen to be placed. Um, both of my grandkids have very special needs that are happening with them these days. Uh, my granddaughter is definitely on the spectrum for ASD. We just have to see exactly how far she is along that. And my grandson has sickle cell SS. So there's a lot of challenges with that. And part of my self-care is being in tune with them, sending them videos and reading them books and talking to them with real words and not baby talk and reminding them that they're brilliant and beautiful and can have and do and be and achieve anything they want. That's huge for me because it brings me so much joy. Um, Self-care also looks like me sitting on the couch and wiggling my toes and leaning on my husband, um, pretending to pay attention to the basketball game that I have no interest in, (laughs) that he's watching, (laughs) right? Like for me, those are all self-care assets for me. And all excellent ones because you you need them. Um, Thank you. Uh, the magnesium and the um, bubble bath sounds interesting. I have, I have to give that a try. I, I am down with the peppermint water because that does help immensely. Yes. Uh, but I have not done the magnesium and the bubble bath, but Ooh, I got time. I, <laughs> I, I will give you a recipe for it when we're off air. It's a very you know cathartic experience to set it all up with your candles and your music. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole vibe, as the kids would say. As the kids say, <laughs> it's a vibe. Vibe. Okay, got you. Um, fantastic. Wow. That that now that is a really incredible um uh batch of self-care that I I like to see. Now, um before I go, before you go, um, do you have a give or an ask of the audience? Mm, that's a really good one. Okay, so my Give is going to be for all of the women and or men who are in monogamous relationships, even if you're not a Facebook person, I implore you, join us in the free Certified Selfish Facebook group uh, because there's all kinds of trainings and masterclasses. And I do a weekly Intimacy Advantage TV show exclusively inside the group where there's all kinds of techniques and tools and tips that you can have from physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, all the way through, because there's really 12 different types of intimacy, but it's way too much to share right here. But we talk about all of them in the group. Um, Outside of that, I would really implore you all to look at your schedule. Look at your schedule this week and look at all the things on your schedule that are not bringing you joy and make some space for yourself. You can call it the permission to pause block. You can call it my me time, you know, whatever it is, but make sure you schedule in something for you because you can't be dominated by things that are just responsibilities and things to do that vex you and not have anything that fuels you. So give yourself that time. Vex you, anything that doesn't fuel you. I mean, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's 12, you said there's 12 different types. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we say 360 degrees of intimacy because it really is a a holistic experience if you're really willing to go deeper beyond, you know, the 12 the year old version of ourselves. It's like, ooh, intimacy, she must be talking about sex. Like that's such a small part of being intimate. Like you're intimate as a parent, you're intimate as a child if you have a healthy relationship with your kids, you're intimate as a leader, as a entrepreneur, as a business owner, there's customer intimacy. Like there's so many layers to intimacy that go beyond just the, the two that most people think of, which is emotional and physical. Wow. Um, that's, there's so much there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So 
we're going to send everybody to you because that's basically what we're having to do here. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, again, you have this chock full of amazing knowledge. Thank and, you. Um, but also it comes from a place of joy and that's wonderful to hear. And I think will resonate with our, our awesome listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show. We'll put all your details in the show notes so folks can reach out to you and let you, and um, hopefully get you some awesome new clients as well. Mm-hmm. And a member of the Facebook group, but you're just delighted. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm honored by you, Laura. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. And that is our show.